that was the Mall family. Wow. Give them a hand there. Great blessing here at Joy. And uh, I know that a lot of you hoped we were going to steal your Facebook pictures, and we didn't do that, and uh, just, to, just to not embarrass anybody. So, uh, but uh, they're, they're, they actually take over this whole section right over here when they're here. Their goal is to take over the church, I think, at some point, and they've got a great run going. So they're a great family here at Joy. We appreciate them. We appreciate all of our families. We say we are a family church that's teaching people to reach their world, and uh, I hope that that's what makes us unique and makes us who we are. It's part of our formula, our secret sauce, whatever it might be. We believe that families, we believe that kids are so important here at Joy. And, uh, and so we're doing a series, uh, as has been mentioned a couple of times, that we're calling Picture Perfect. And uh, in this series, we're talking about relationships. And the whole idea of Picture Perfect really is this. This is the big idea. If you're a parent and you've ever tried to do a kind of a family portrait with all of your kids, you understand the nightmare sometimes and the chaos that that can be when you're trying to get all of your kids together Everybody happy, everybody's smiling, everybody's hair in place, uh, you know, the right clothes and, and don't look like a bomb went off from your house to the place that you got your picture taken. And, and, and then you go through 47,000 different pictures until finally you get the exact image, the perfect picture. And that's the one that you display because you want everybody to think that your family is always that put together. You want everybody to think that everything always looks like that and flows like that in your families. And yet you also know that behind the scenes there was a lot of pain and effort to get that one perfect picture. And sometimes in families, sometimes in relationships, sometimes in life, there's a similar thing. Behind the scenes, there's a real deal that's going on. Behind the scenes, there's, there's some, some chaos and there's, it looks like a bomb went off sometimes relationally. But then on the outside, we're trying to portray this idea that we're perfect. We're trying to portray this idea that, that everything is hunky-dory and, and great. And, 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 and at times, it creates an inward feeling that, man, I'm living a lie or there's pain here and I wish things were better. And, and, and I made a statement a couple of weeks ago that I want to remind you of because because when we think about picture perfect, there's a lot of pressure in our, in our own, for some reason, in our lives. I'm not sure where the pressure comes from. Perhaps it's because as followers of Christ, we think that we should always be perfect. But there's a pressure to have a perfect relationship or a perfect marriage or that, that, that the relationships and marriage, whatever it might be, should be picture perfect, ideal. Because after all, we're a Christian. We're a follower of Christ. And since we're followers of Christ or Christians, that everything just works out perfect because God loves us more than everybody else. And yet it don't work that way, does it? If you want to know why you struggle in relationship, when you go home, look in a mirror, you will find out why. Marriage is two imperfect people coming together to create something perfect. That'll preach in some churches. It is, it is two imperfect people. A friendship is two imperfect people. Any kind of relationship at work or, or, or you know, intersocially, every relationship is two imperfect people. And so when we think about marriage, when we think about that, uh, people, some people have just given up on the idea of marriage. It's impossible to have a perfect marriage. Or what is a perfect marriage? What is a perfect relationship? And I said this to you, a great marriage is, not a perfect marriage, but a great marriage is possible, but it's not likely. And it's not probable if you live your life and do the things that everybody else is doing. It is possible, 
But it's not likely if you're going to do what everybody else does. If you look, and again, I push back a little bit on this statistic, but statistics say roughly 50% of marriages end in divorce. 50% of marriages do not end happily. They don't experience happily ever after. Now, I don't know that it's that high, but that's a, a generally accepted statistic. So you can do what everybody else is doing and have a 50-50 chance. But God says, if you do things my way, not saying it will always be perfect, but if you do things my way, you will find that you will be able to live successfully. And so we've used this scripture in the book of Lamentations. We're trying to, I'm trying to develop a sort of from this day forward mentality. We do relationship series. It can be tough for people because this is a tender spot and it's difficult because there's pain here. And I, I feel that. I feel that every time I, I do a relationship series. And so I'm hoping that we're developing a from this moment, from this day forward sort of a mindset. In, in Lamentations 3.19, the writer here says, I remember, kind of like communion, they put this in remembrance. And when I talk about relationships, we remember some sour relationships. He says, I remember my affliction. And my wandering, the bitterness and the gall, I well remember them. I feel it. It left a mark. And my soul is downcast in me. Don't miss this. He says that because I'm remembering something, I'm feeling something. And because I'm feeling something, it is producing an emotion in me that causes my soul to be downcast. I feel discouraged. I feel a little bit depressed because of what I'm remembering that brought bitterness into my life. And that describes a lot of people as it relates to relationship. It doesn't have to be marriage. Some of you have had a, a, a business deal go bad and a relationship ruined. Some of you have had really good friendships and, and something happened in that friendship that caused a separation. And that brings pain to your remembrance. And so the writer here says, you feel that, you know that, but don't stop there. He goes on to the next verse. Yet, in spite of all I feel, verse 20, 21, yet this I call to mind. I, I'm reminding myself of something and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. His compassions will never fail. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I don't know about you, but that should be good news. You might be remembering something that causes you to feel discouraged. But he's telling us this morning, if you replace those thoughts with some new thoughts, it will produce something in you. Just like the discouragement was produced, this will produce hope in you. He said, I'm calling this to mind and therefore I have hope. And I hope in this series that we've been able to share some things. That's been what I've wanted to do is maybe say some old things in new ways, to say some things to you that you already know, but to remind you of them so that it produces hope in your life. And so over the last couple of weeks, let me just quickly capsulize, if you haven't been here, a couple of the, the the points, the, a couple of sound bites, we're talking picture perfect. If you're going to take a picture, things need to be in focus. And we talked about week one, the right focus. And most people have problem in, problems in marriage because their focus wasn't right when they entered into marriage. And sometimes relationships get sour because we don't have the right focus. And most of the time, our focus in marriage, while we're single, our focus is we need to find the right one. Because if I find the right one, I'm going to be happy. If I find the right one, I will feel fulfilled. 
And if we go into a relationship in that way where we're trying to make them the right one, where we're trying to make them number one, they are now in a position where they're competing with God. And so what our statement was is that in that right focus, we need to develop this mindset that God is number one and my spouse is number two. God is my number one. We need to keep that relationally in order. If this relationship is right, these relationships will be right. If this relationship is healthy, it will help these relationships to be healthy as well. If you're single this morning, let this be, this is my prayer for you, that you will seek the one while preparing yourself for your number two. Don't get that out of order because what happens sometimes when that gets out of order, things get out of focus and conflict is the result. And that was week two. It is, it is don't let things get out of focus. And, and, and I made this statement, I want to remind you of it, is that we don't see things as they are, we see things as we are. We see through filters and that's where misunderstandings and, and, and judgment begins to happen. When we make assumptions, we are judging that we know more than we actually do. We know why they said, we know why they did, we know exactly the motivations. Well, we may not know everything that was going on about that. But when we set ourselves up as judge, we become the judge and the jury and the executioner all in one. And we need to watch out for that. We need to examine ourselves. And then last week we talked about having... Uh, uh, getting things in focus, the right focus, out of focus. Now, getting the right focus. And I used Amos chapter 3 and verse 3, and that scripture says in the message, uh, do two people walk together uh, if they aren't going to the same place? Do two, people, do two people walk hand in hand if they aren't going to the same place? And that is impossible. You cannot hold hands and arrive at the same place if you're going to go different directions, can you? I mean, that's intuitive. We all understand that. And yet many relationships, many couples, it becomes a test of will. It becomes a test of power or dominance or direction. And so the statement, the path, the idea of the path is that we're here and we're going to end up somewhere. So we need to have a common goal, a common vision. Most people drift into life. They drift into relationships and they drift into marriage. And, there's, and, and I did this. I remember thinking, I'm just going to get married and things are going to work out. Well, that was an eye opener because I thought she would be just like my mom. And she's not. Thank God. I didn't want to marry my mom in the first place. Thought life wouldn't change a lot. It did. And it changed for her. But when you have common vision and common goal and common purpose that you prioritize your life and your finance and everything else around when you have that, it will help you to walk hand in hand because you're going to arrive at the end of your life. There is a destination and you will arrive there. You should go there with intentionality. You should go there on purpose and that's having the right focus. And so I understand and this is, you know, we're at the end of this series and we could go forever to be totally honest with you. We could talk about all, you know, and, I, and I, 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 I struggle and I have struggled. I've changed kind of where I thought I was going to go in this last message. I, I, I really sort of changed that because I thought I would, well, I, I asked a question last week and it really came out of a thought that I had before that. And, and it's one that I, I, I'll capsulize the sentiment in this thought. Uh, how can two walk together unless they are agreed? And I've heard people say, well, we're Christians, it'll all work out. Well, there's truth there. 
But that doesn't mean everything will work out because there's a lot of Christians who struggle with relationships, who struggle in marriage, who end up divorced. And there are others who become a follower of Christ. I mentioned this, I said this to you last week. I said you should commit to a person before you, or commit to a path before you commit to a person. Commit to a direction in life before you commit to a person. Some people commit to a person hope that, and hoping, and they hope that they will commit to a path later. That's putting it backwards because you're not agreed. You're not going to walk hand in hand. Your values are different. And so what happens, though, what about couples? Because over the years, we've had a lot of people like this. What about people who have committed to a path or committed to a person before they ever knew there was a path? What about people who've committed to a person without knowing that there is a God who loves them and, and suddenly God, in a, in a, not just a religion, but a relationship with God becomes important in their life. And now there's two visions. Now there's two values. There's two directions. I want to go and pursue God. and They don't want to pursue God and, and they want to pursue other stuff. And I, I tell you, that's a source of a lot of, a lot of uh, contention in life. And so I was thinking about that and thinking about all the other questions that I haven't answered. What about in-laws and outlaws? What about, you know, what about, you know, the difference of the idea that, that marriage is a covenant versus a contract? You know, contracts are written for, for safety and for, for protection. They're really written out of fear. Covenant is based in love. Covenant is based in the value of the relationship, and God wants us to enter into a covenant relationship with that person, not just a, con not just a contractual agreement. And there's a big difference there. What about conflict and its resolution? What about when we have children? What about when I've gotten divorced or remarried and I'm raising somebody else's kid? All of those things that we've not even touched the, you know, or scratched the surface on, and can I just introduce you to a word called small groups? Small groups. If you wonder about those things, I'm trying to hit a very broad target this morning and in this series. If you've wondered about those things or if you've thought, you know, there really should be a group about, then perhaps that's God speaking to you and saying, you know what, you should start a group about. Wait a minute, Pastor Brian. Now, what? Wait a second. I don't know. I want somebody else to do that. No, maybe, maybe that's God. Stirring up your heart to help a whole bunch of other people. Amen? And so, so small groups become important. And, and so I struggled with this. And, and so I thought, how can I, how can I help the, the broadest target? How can I help the most? How can I help people that are single and happy being single? Which is okay. That's, if you're happy and single, man, be happy and single. If you're unhappy and single, then, you know, I don't know. Get happy anyway. Because a person ain't going to make you happy. Because there are a lot of married people that aren't happy. And if I want to help people that are married and happy, married that are unhappy, single that are happy, unhappy, I want to help all those people. How can, what, what can I say? And so I've come up with something that I'm almost a little bit embarrassed because it's so simple. It's, it's just so easy. But yet I think it's so important in relationship. It's so important and necessary in all of our life. And so I want to give you this thought first of all to kind of lay some groundwork for, for relationships. Number one, simply this. Whew. Love does not give a person what they deserve. It gives a person what they need. Love doesn't give a person what it deserves. Married kids, parents, in-laws, outlaws, exes, 
O's, <laughs> X's and O's for the struggle. Love doesn't give a person what it deserves. How many of you are glad God didn't give you what you deserved? Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrates his love for us in this while we were still sinners. When we were at our worst, when we were unlovely, what does it say? Christ died for us. For God so loved this world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It is because of his great love while we were undeserving that we get all the stuff that we get. Praise God. And likewise, as his children, as chips off the old block, we are to give others not what they deserve. We are to give them what they need, and they need that love from God. And so the Apostle Paul was addressing some people, and I want to give you three really, really simple things to help develop a long-range focus. You are here right now, and we're talking about from this day forward. What are you going to do to arrive here blessed and happy and fulfilled? Number one, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse uh, 3. Three things for long-range focus. Number one, long-range focus starts with God's word in you. Say, I need God's word in me. The Apostle Paul was writing to a church that had gone through a lot of stuff. They had, they had received the word of God and they've gotten, you know, born again. They're followers of Christ. And there was some conflict, uh, not in the church, but pressure from the outside. And it says, actually, Paul said, man, I don't even need your testimony, the life that you are living. I don't even need to tell people that you're a Christian because it is evident to everybody because of the life that you're living. And wouldn't that be a great testimony to get at this end of your life where everybody says, man, they were a follower of Christ and it was awesome to see the, the, the glory of God in their life. And so Paul says in, in 1 Thessalonians <clears throat> chapter 2 and verse 13, therefore we never stop thanking God that when you received his message from us, put it in you. You didn't think of our words as mere human ideas. You accepted what we said as the very word of God. Can I tell you that your life will change when you finally accept that the Bible, these 66 volumes, are actually God's words? They're not just man's ideas or suggestions. They're not just kind of a rule of thumb to live by. This is God speaking to you and to me. And because it is God speaking to you and to me, we should not just consider these words. We should lean or incline our hearing to these words and prioritize our life around these words because these are things God says that if you will do these things, your life's going to be better. So... <laughs> he says that you accepted what we said as the very word of God, which, of course, it is. And this word continues to work in you who believe. God's word in you sustains and God's word in you carries. And God's word that is alive in you, that is active in you, I like that last phrase, it will continue to work in you who believe. And so we need to get God's word in us, and God's word in us starts with a hearing ear. Every, almost every service, I will pray a prayer similar to this. I'm standing back there. I was telling Shelly uh, uh, after first service, I just, I, I like, I, I like, I'm just back there, and I'm praying, and I'm walking, and I'm shouting, and I'm just, I'm just praying. And one of the things that I pray, I, I, I'm praying, Father, I thank you that my ears are open to your spirit. And I thank you that you will give me words that will penetrate the hearts of people. I, I, I want to hear what the spirit of God has to say. 
Jesus said that often, he that hath an ear to hear, let him hear. Just because you have the ability to hear does not mean that you hear. Amen? Just because you got ear flaps doesn't necessarily mean, that if you're a husband or a wife, how many of you know that sometimes they don't, they, they have the ability to hear, but they don't hear. Just because you're not in agreement doesn't mean you hear. I mean, I've had this happen more than once. Shelly will say, hey, I need you to get these four things at the store. I say, I got it, no problem. Did you write it down? Nope, I'm an adult, don't need to write it down. <laughs> get to the store. Actually, get to my driveway at home and realize I didn't go to the store. Go back to the store. <laughs> walk through the store like a wild tele televangelist. Oh, Father, help me remember what those four things are. You're buying everything in hopes that you get one right. So then you call and say, hey, you know, I'm at the store like you told me to. And, uh, you know, there were four things you said to get. Is there anything else you need to get but hoping, you know, is there anything else besides those four things that you need me to get? Hoping that they'll, she'll say like, you know, well, yeah, when you get this, 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 and this, then get this also. Because then, but that doesn't happen. So you come back with $400 worth of groceries and you still go back. So just, and that was a long way to say, just because you hear doesn't mean you hear. And just because you sit in church and do this doesn't mean you heard. And here's why this is important, because Paul said, talking about this church, he, he, he said, then, dear brothers and sisters, you suffered persecution from your own countrymen. Just because you become a follower of Christ doesn't mean that life flows easy. In fact, sometimes life is harder, because you will find that you'll have to say no to you to say yes to him. You'll have to say no to other stuff to say yes to God. Verse 15, for some of the Jews killed the prophets and some even killed the Lord Jesus. And now they have persecuted us too. They fail to please God and work against all of humanity as they try to keep us from preaching the good news of salvation to the Gentiles. And by doing this, they continue to pile up their sins, but the anger of God has caught up with them at last. And so a long-range focus, getting from point A to point Z, starts with the word of God deeply rooted in you. Secondly, it is sustained by the people of God around you. This ability to have a long-range focus to get to the end, whether you're married or single, whether you're happy or unhappy, it is important for you to have the people of God around you. I have one just giant request as your pastor. If you're not, if, if this isn't your church, then I'm not your pastor. But if this is your church, I'm your pastor. And I, I implore you, please, do not be a lone ranger. Stop coming late and leaving early. Get involved with other people because there will be a point in your life that you need them. I can't be more, I don't want to criticize and I don't want to condemn. It's not about getting, you know, seats in the seats. That's not my point. My point is you're, you've been designed and built for a relationship and you need them. You need God's people around you. Listen to Paul's heart when he says this in 1 Thessalonians 2.17. Dear brothers and sisters, after we were separated from you a little while, though our hearts never left you, we tried very hard to come back because of our intense longing to see you again. We wanted very much to come to you, and I, Paul, tried again and again, but Satan prevented us. I said this a couple of weeks ago. Virtually every blessing in your life is going to come through the hands of other people. Whether it's encouragement, whether it's, you know, you have a need of some kind and somebody says, hey, can I pray for you? Or somebody slips you a, you know, a $50 bill or whatever it is. Every need in your life generally is going to be met by other people. 
As I said a couple of weeks ago, I never one time have heard, you know, a booming voice from heaven when I've been a little bit discouraged. I've never heard God say, cheer up, Brother Brian, it'll all be good. Never heard a voice out of heaven, but I have, ha- I have gotten an email. I have gotten a phone call. I've had a person tell me, hey, you know what? What you said just really blessed me and helped my family so much. And, and I'm not looking for that. But, but, but there have been times that God's blessing has not come necessarily from a booming voice and from heaven. It's come through other people. And you all know this is true as well, that you have an adversary, the devil, that wants to destroy you. And almost all of the destructive stuff in your life has happened because of relationship. This is important. You've been designed and built for relationship, with relationship in mind. And so you need God's word in you. That is the foundation. But you also need God's people around you because there will be a season in your life. You would love to have somebody that could pray. You would want somebody to be able to encourage. And I hear this from time to time. Oh, you know, this. I, I don't have a friend here. You know what the Bible says about that? If you're going to have friends, be friendly. Quit waiting for everybody else to be friendly, and you be friendly. <laughs> and we love you too. So we need, we need God's word in us. We need God's people around us, and this is so important. Number three, you need to keep the big picture in front of you. Again, you're here. You're going to get somewhere in life, and you might as well go there on purpose. You need to keep the big picture in front of you. This is what Paul says to this church in in Thessalonica, verse 19. After all, what gives us hope and joy? What is it that gives me hope for the future and joy in the moment? He said, what is it that what gives us hope and joy and what will be our proud reward and crown as we stand before our Lord Jesus when he returns? It is you. I hope you understand this morning that there'll be a day you're going to stand before Jesus. And hopefully that thought of standing before Jesus on that day for Paul, he said, man, I'm thinking about it. I'm going to stand before Jesus, and I'm happy about it. I'm hopeful about it. Some of you this morning might be thinking, man, I'm scared of that moment that I stand before the Lord. I'm afraid of what he might say. I'm afraid of those things. If that's you this morning, you need to consider what we said during communion. There's a proclamation But there's also an examination. And there's a proclamation that says that one day this life is going to fade away. See, the more secure you are in the hope of your tomorrow, the less frustrated you're going to be today. The more secure you are that this is not the end, that this is not all there is, that there's more, the more secure you are in knowing that there'll be a day that we're going to stand before our Savior and see him face to face, that at that moment, life's care and worry and pressure and weariness is going to be gone. And we're going to lean in and he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. You put my word in you, you received it, even though stuff was going on and it was so tough. And and I had my people all around you. Some of them prayed for you. There may be that season where God says to you in that moment that, you know, you were tired and you were in pain, but you saw them in need and you went and you blessed them and you ministered to them and you became my instrument to them. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? See, that's what, we've been built for a relationship, and this relationship has to be right. 
So these relationships are the most fruitful that they can ever possibly be. In Psalm 127, verse 1, it says this, uh, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord keeps watch over the city, the watchmen wait in vain. You can, you can work and you can struggle and you can try so hard or you can do it God's way. And let the Lord build the house. Let the Lord guard and keep watch over. Let the Lord be the strength of your life and surrender and turn over to him. So would you all bow your heads this morning with your eyes closed? I'm going to ask you this question today. Perhaps you've spent a lot of time in your life examining and not liking what you've seen or felt you feel like you're not good enough and that you never measure up to God. Maybe because of religion or because of other stuff, you've just felt guilty and ashamed all the time. Well, there's a proclamation for you this morning, and that proclamation is that God sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus paid a price. And if you will just believe that what he paid is enough for you, your life from today forward, from this day forward, will be different. And so if you're here today and say, Pastor Brian, I, I don't understand everything. I don't know everything. But I know that I felt guilty because of my past. And I know that I need to receive forgiveness. The Apostle Paul said that if we believe in our heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and confess with our mouth that he is Lord, then we would be saved. And so I'm going to ask you a very simple question today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior surrendering your life and your way to him. I just ask you to simply slip up your hand. I'm not gonna ask you to do anything but that. Just acknowledge yes. Yes, sir, thank you. Anyone else this morning? Anyone else? Just hold your hand up real high. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Wow, thank you. Praise God. Amen, thank you. Thank you. I want you all to bow your heads and pray this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I come to you today in Jesus' name. I've examined myself. And I find that I fall short because of sin. So I ask you today, forgive me. I believe that what you've done is enough. I receive you today as my Savior and as my Lord. And I make a proclamation that because of your shed blood, my past will not be my future. But instead, my future is the future you've prepared for me. And I thank you for that today. Now, Father, I thank you for the many that lifted their hands today. And I believe, Father, that from this day forward, their past has been, been, been forgotten. It's under the precious blood of Christ because of what you've done. And before them, there is a new hope and a new joy. And so I thank you for that this morning. And I pray, Father, that you bring your blessing, life, and healing to every relationship in here, no matter what kind of a relationship it is. And we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. And everyone says... Amen, amen. Well, God bless you. Thank you so much. Let's give Jesus a hand. We're so happy you joined us today. If you're ever in the St. Cloud area, we invite you to join us for one of our 9 or 1045 a.m. services. If you made a decision today to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, we'd love to hear about it. We invite you to email us or contact us through our website, greatjoy.org.